Well, my, my, my. Isn't that good? Praise the Lord. Can you just think one of these days, all of you out there and up here, who are filthy, stinking, no good, black, tarnished sinners are going to be changed in a twinkling of an eye. And we're going to put on some white robes. And we're going to ascend and sit at the marriage supper. Whoo! Play that trumpet, brother. Just go right ahead right now. Amen. Wouldn't that be glorious to hear that trumpet sound this morning? Turn, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 5. We've been in the month of January. God just led me to preach about the church. And uh, we've uh, looked at the uh, uh, state of the church. And then we talked about, is the church uh, useful today? We looked in uh, Hebrews chapter 10, 23 and following, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a matter of some is. So much more as you see the day approaching. We looked at Matthew chapter 16. Jesus said, I'll build my church. I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And this morning we looked at the last scripture about church in the, the major three scriptures. Is in Ephesians 5, 25 through 27. Would you stand with me? You have that, please. God's holy, anointed, mm, infallible, inspired, inerrant. Somebody else. All sufficient word of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. And gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself, a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But it, it should be holy and without blemish. Father, thank you today. <laughs> my, my, how we've been blessed. And I pray, God, your spirit would continue to move in and out of these aisles. Lord, touch those that need your touch today. Many came in hurting and discouraged. And, Lord, they need to be encouraged. And only the power of the Holy Spirit can do that. Lord, we don't have words. It has to come from you today, God. So, Lord, would you do your ministry through the Holy Spirit. God, would we decrease and you increase. God, would we exalt you in this place and lift you up on high because you're all deserving. We love you. We're excited about what you're going to do in the next few moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Husbands, love your wives. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, I'll build my church. First time the word church is used in the New Testament, and it's used by the Lord Jesus. It means a called out assembly. On the day of Pentecost, God showed us how we would operate the church. There would be preaching, there would be salvations, there would be a, a church form. The gospel is preached and the Holy Spirit convicts. And you have to come like a childlike faith. You can't come intelligently. You can't come with all the degrees and all of the high-priced words and all of the theological. Jesus said, unless you come as a little child, you can't even be saved. 
Wow, what a way to build a church. We call that the new birth. It's been called born again. God adds them to the church. The church isn't relevant today because a lot of people don't think the church is relevant today. A lot of people don't think the church is even needed today. And I want to try to make a persuasion this morning that the church is relevant. It has been relevant. It is relevant. And it will continue to be relevant until Jesus comes back again. I see the first thing here in verse 25, and we'll just look at these three scriptures, just boom, boom, boom. Number one, it's a necessity of the church. And it is a necessity that you belong to a church. That'd be a good place to say amen. It's going to be a long time if I have to go down there and say amen every time I need one. It's a necessity. He says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. There are a few occasions here in the New Testament, less than 4% of the time, when the word church is used, and it's used as an invisible body. And there is an invisible body. You've been saved by the blood of Jesus. You got the same salvation that somebody in Brazil has or somebody in Africa has or somebody in Mexico has. There is an invisible church. It's a worldwide church. All of those who've been saved and born again. You say, well, some do this and some. I don't care what they do. If you've been saved by the blood of the Lamb, there is an invisible church. But 96% of the time it's used is talking about a local New Testament church. That's what he's saying. You say, now, how do you know that? Well, let's go back to verse 25. Was he talking about an invisible wife? I mean, some of you guys would like to have one of them, wouldn't you? <laughs> he, said, he said, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Is your wife invisible or is, can you see her? Is she tangible? Does she speak to you? Is she someone you're looking at? Well, sure she is. Well, the church is the same thing. We're not talking about an invisible church. We're talking about a tangible church, a local church, something you can see. You can tell people what the address is. You can tell them what time we meet. You can tell them when we meet. We meet on the first day of the week. You say, Preacher, I thought we were supposed to meet on the Sabbath. I never have understood that. Well, something happened. It's called the resurrection. And when he rose up on that third day, Man, everything changed over to the first day of the week. Praise God. So we need to join this church. We need to be identified with this church. We need to serve in this church. We need to worship the Lord Jesus in this church. Don't be out in limbo. I, 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 I've had it. People say, I don't believe in joining the church. You can't tell me where we have to join the church. No, but I can tell you in 1 Corinthians 5, that was a pretty wicked church. And I can tell you what Paul told them. Paul said, you need to get that man and that woman that's living in sin, what the world would call sin, let alone what the church would call sin. And you need to get him and her, and you need to throw them out of the church. Now let me ask you something. How do you throw somebody out that ain't never been in? Huh? See, he had to join that local church. And that local church brought discipline against him and put him out. Not because they didn't like him. Because he was living in sin. 
And the reason, you, you don't put people out of the church because you don't like them. You put them out of the church because hopefully they'll be repentant and come back to Jesus. That's what they were doing. You can't be in something and be out of something unless you're already in it. So don't be in, 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 in limbo there. Uh, Paul challenged us to be joined together, to attach ourselves. We're part of a local church. It's a will for every child of God. And it's believed, I believe it's needed more now than it's ever been needed before. We do everything we can. COVID gave all of us a new idea of what worshiping God together is. I mean, you know, we, we do Facebook and we do, uh, what's that, uh, YouTube and Hickory Dickory Dock and <laughs> I, I don't know. All, we, we do all these things. We have all this money we spend on that. And hey, if you're listening online today, bless God, thank you so much. But I want to tell you something. There is no substitute for walking in those doors and sensing the power of the Holy Spirit in this place. You cannot make that up at home. It's in this place. So it's important in God's house to be studying God's word with God's people on God's day. But it's not only necessary to join a local church. It's necessary to love the local church. That's just right out of the scripture. Husbands, love your wives. How? As Christ also loved the church. How did he love it? Well, he, he gave himself for it. That's how much he loved it. You see, when the Lord wanted to teach people about the love bond between a husband and a wife, he used the church to connect it together. And yet you'll say, well, it's not important. Yes, it is important. We use the word love in different ways. We uh, I, I love Brother Tony and his wife. I love Brother Barry. Couldn't remember his name, but I went home and said it 100 times and wrote it down. And I may call some of y'all Barry, but I got it down. I, 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 hey, I got up this morning and made a homemade lemon pie. I love lemon pie. I'm telling you. And we use that word love in many different ways. It depends on how it fits into our sentences. But not so in Jesus' day. There were three uh, words for love. One is where we get our brotherly love from, Philadelphia, phileo. Uh, that was a word, uh, the love of brotherly love. Uh, the other one was uh, 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 eros. That was talking about physical love. But he is talking about a spiritual love here. He's talking about agape love here. Listen, agape love. Now, if you don't get nothing else, please wake up and listen to this. Agape love is supernatural. You're not going to learn to do it. It's not going to be. 1 John 4, 8. Uh, he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. It doesn't say that God loves us. Yes, God loves us. But 1 John says God is love. He is love. Galatians 5, 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, all of those other things. Those are supernatural things that the Holy Spirit gives us. Romans 10, 17, then cometh faith uh, by hearing, and then hearing by the Word of God. John 3, 16, you know that God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, whosoever believed on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's agape love. What is agape love? Number one, it's love without conditions. So well, I love my church. I know it's not perfect, but I love my church. Well, now that's good. 
That's good. You see, agape love is not emotional love. It's a, it's a, it's a will. It's an act of the will. I've chosen to love. He doesn't love us to get something from us. He loved us to give something to us. It's a big difference in that. I love this church without conditions. Are you sure about that? I mean, <laughs> when they throw one of them songs up there you ain't never heard before, you still love this church without condition? <laughs> I wish you wouldn't do that. There is no reason for that. I, I mean, <laughs> if the preacher's preaching on something and it kind of plows close to the house, real close to the row, and the laser beam kind of shoots in on you, you still love this church? Preacher ain't got no business talking about stuff like that in the pulpit. Ain't none of his business. Mm. A love without conditions. Even when you get here and somebody done either taped off one of your rows You say, this is where I sit. <laughs> Scripture says they'll know us by our love, but Baptists say they'll know us where we sit. <laughs> How did Jesus love the church? <laughs> he loved it enough to leave his seat in heaven and come down and be born in a manger. There wasn't any air conditioner or central heat in there. There wasn't even any wood heaters. It was a barn. There's no, no seats, no furniture, no beds, no nothing. Yet he came down and, and, and then allowed them. He, they didn't do it because they had the power to do it. He allowed them to nail him to the cross. He allowed them to crucify him, shed his blood, satisfied the wrath of God that he had upon the earth. And he came from heaven to hell, and that is it. When he said, it is finished, the devil said, boy, we got him now. It's finished. It's over with. He's through. But on that third day, he arose. He's not through, and he's not through today. He's still alive. He's still real today. He gave. He gave. And he tells us, take up your cross. Well, I, I will if it's convenient. Mm. I, I'll be honest with you. I don't know how, well, I know how some of you did it. We did it when we were younger, too. You better do it when you're younger. Because you'll wear yourself out now running around like families run around today with everything in the world there is to do. And they're good things. They're good things. But can I tell you, there's nothing better than being a part of a local New Testament church. I don't have to have my way. It's all about Jesus. The necessity of the church, it's necessary. But secondly, the ministry of the church, right there in verse 26, next verse, that he might sanctify and cleanse it, those two words, sanctify and clean, it with the washing of water by the word. That's how we do business in the local New Testament church. There has to be a justification. That comes automatically when we're saved we're justified christ justifies us just as if we'd never sinned 
And then we enter the phase of sanctification. That word sanctification, that word sanctify, that word saints, that word holiness, all come from the same Old Testament verb there that means set apart. Set apart. We, we, we're, gee, you do know who the sanctifier is, huh? I mean, when we're cleaning the house, my wife's not as fond of it as I am. I love pine, old pine. I love it because when you pour it, you can smell it all over the house. You walk in and say, somebody's been cleaning this house. May not have been nothing clean. We just poured some pine, old pine in a bowl, <laughs> set it on the counter. And everybody says, that is a clean house. Amen? Clean house. I love pine, old pine. But let me tell you something. Pine, old pine won't do you any good in the church. The cleanser in the church, the sanctifier in the church is the Word of God. It's washed by water in the Word of God. That's the cleanser in this church. You, it, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Uh, you're set apart, man, have mercy, from sin. That's number one. Set apart. He, he gives a special set apart. But you're also set apart exclusively to do the work that the Lord has called you to do. No one else can do your work that God called you to do. So we're set apart from sin, and I'll be honest with you, there's some sin that, boom, you just, you know, God just wipes out. You don't have any desire again. But I want to tell you something. I'm just going to be honest with you. There's some sin that you're going to wrestle with. And you're going to think, I got it whipped, and then here it comes again. You're not a crummy Christian because that happens to you. You're a Christian in progress. You're a Christian in works. Jesus is trying to, to get, get, get you more like him. Back when we were in Nederland, that was in 1983 or 84, uh, something started stinking in the church. The choir would come through. I don't know if you remember it or not, but in the wall right there by the choir going in. First week, it was pretty rough, but man, that second week was something. Third week, they said, we got to do something. They hired a contractor to come in there and just start tearing out the sheetrock. Couldn't, we couldn't find it. It wasn't in the attic. We'd comb the attic. wasn't anywhere around. And an old mother possum had got hung up in there between those walls. And she had babies in there. And it doth stinketh. <laughs> it doth stinketh. And, you know, uh, it, it, it got better. They, I remember... <laughs> Uh, they said, you got to put it in a bag. Old boy said, it won't go in a bag. It'll fall all to pieces. They got a shovel and got all of it out and everything. Disinfected it, sprayed everything. You know, the, the next week, we didn't smell a thing. It, it just smelled like everything was great. See, that, that, that's kind of what happens when we let sin into our life. It stinketh. And some of you this morning got some things that stink. Now, it may not be stinking, stinking. Some of you may have something stinking, stinking. I don't know. But it stinketh. And there's only one cleansing that will get rid of it. And that is the Word of God. Amen. That's it. The Holy Spirit convicts. The Word of God washed by the water of the Word of God cleanses. Cleanses. Cleans us up. Sets us apart. There are a lot of people, the devil would love for us to rather have a 
entertainment show than he would a church. A three-ring circus or somebody having a dazzling uh, service where we're all sitting around the campfire singing Kumbaya. But you find you a church that believes the Word of God, that everything is washed in the water by the Word of God. It goes back to the Old Testament basin called a laver. The priest would go into the laver there and he would wash his hands and everything and get them cleansed before he ever went in to do the ministry. And that's what he's talking about here. Listen, everything in the church is washed by the water of the Word of God. If it was wrong in 800 A.D., it's still wrong in 2024 A.D. If it was right in the year 2000, it's still right in the year 2024 because this word does not change. This word will not wither. This is the sanctifying, cleansing power of the Holy Spirit of God. So preacher, I, I like everything about your church, but I tell you, this clapping. I keep tongues right here so I can take some tongues because people in this church like to clap. Well, let's, let's sanctify it by the water of the Word of God. The Bible says, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto joy. That's what the Word of God says. Now, I'm not telling you you have to clap. Just don't begrudge those people who do clap. Amen? Well, I don't, I don't like that saying amen. And somebody out here, boy, we got a good amen or amen. He better never leave this service, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I don't like all that. Well, it's okay. The Bible says, through the water of the Word of God, the Bible says that God inhabits the praise of His people. God likes it. Revelation 19 Jesus uses one word four times. It's the word hallelujah. 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 Well, preachers, that just don't, I don't sit well with me. Wash it in the water of the word of God. If you don't want to say amen, don't say amen. Sit there like a dead dog. I don't, it, it, sit there if you want to. I'll tell you when you get a hold of the fact that you were going to hell and he reached down and picked you up and saved you, you're going to get as excited about that as you are anything else in this life. Well, praise the Lord. Let me give you the last thing and I'm through. The destiny of the church. We've talked about the necessity of it. We've talked about the love of it. What about the destiny of it? I love the church because I done read the end of the book and I know what the destiny is. <laughs> there may be. I was telling in the earlier service at Mason Creek, I was in a Bible conference, it was just a bunch of rednecks, and we was just having a good time and everything. And some old preacher, country preacher, I don't know, I don't remember who it was. I know, well, I'm not saying that. Uh, he made a statement, though, that I just thought he had to steal that from somebody. He didn't have enough sense to come up with that. This is what he said. He said, our mountains 
define how low our valleys get. I do. Sit and think about that for a few minutes. See, the higher you can get with God, yeah, you're going to fall off the mountain. Yeah, you're going to fail. Every one of us are. But you don't go as low as you did the last time because that mountain was higher. See, our goal is to be on the mountaintop with the Lord. And then when we get down in the valley, we still got to serve the Lord. There are people in the valley that need help. But we need to move on up the mountain. The higher the mountain, it defines how low the valley is. This is not a perfect church. It's a mixed multitude. Could I tell you, you may have never thought of this, but there were unbelievers in Egypt that left with Israel when they left Egypt. They're unbelievers in the congregation of, of Israel. They're unbelievers in this congregation here. They are. No church is perfect. Jesus had a church with 12, 12 people in it. One of them had an office in it. He was an officer of the church. Betrayed the Lord. Peter there denied the Lord three times. Thomas was one of those that was scared of his shadow. Every time somebody moved, he, he said, I, unless I can touch his nail-scarred hands, I won't believe it. What a doubter. Jesus loved the church, good and bad. Mad and sad. There are some in the church that have great integrity. There are some in the church that are crooks, shysters. Baptists are good at that. There are always going to be tares among the wheat. Lord, why don't we just look for the tares in here? Let me just go down the road, start right over here. Oh, my goodness. I don't even want to get into that. I, why don't we just pick out the tares? And if you're not going to live for God, let's just throw you out. He said, oh, no, you, can, you can't do that. Because, see, it's not in our spiritual pay grade to know the tares from the non-tares. There'll be people in here that I'll think, I'll never see you in heaven. And when I get there, they're going to say, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> I don't know who they are. I'm not even sure we ourselves know who they are. Be very careful that you don't let the devil deceive you because he can deceive you. I know where the church is going. It can't be wiped out. We saw that in, uh, in COVID. I think that was an opportunity to try to see if, how many churches they could shut down and wipe out. This church rose to the challenge. We grew numerically. We grew financially. We grew spiritually during the entire time of COVID. I mean, that's how the New Testament church was able to start missions to start with. Remember, they were all comfortable at Woodland Hills Baptist Church, and God sent persecution in, and they began to spread out to different places. And everywhere they went, they shared the gospel. blood-washed band no signs of age up there verse 27 that he might present it to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that it should be holy 
and without blemish. No sign of age, <laughs> no spots, no wrinkles. The blood-washed church is going to be escorted through the gates of pearl, and the angel choirs are going to be singing, here comes the bride, and we're going to sit down at the marriage supper without sin, with perfect hearts, with perfect conversation, perfect attitudes, perfect spirits, no cancer, no diabetes, no heart trouble, no COVID, no AIDS, no politicians trying to tell us what is right. The victorious church. I'm going to stick with the church because I know the destiny of it. I know where we're headed. <laughs> I read about an old country mule that uh, was in a dilemma. He, uh, he came up on a stack of hay on his left, good-looking stack of hay, and he looked around, and on his right was another stack of hay. And he couldn't figure out if he wanted to eat out of the stack of hay over here or out of the stack of hay over there. And he was in limbo. He went back and forth in limbo, back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Finally, he dropped dead. He was in limbo and never even ate any of it. You may be here this morning in limbo. You may be asking, what, what am I supposed to do? That, that's between you and God. I will tell you that this is a great church. It's a great church. This church has a vision to reach not just this generation, but future generations. This church has a dream, not just a status quo. You, you, you see the crowd that's in this place today, earlier this morning at 9.15, now they're, they're, they're not as good as y'all sitting down here front, but there was almost this same crowd at, at 9.15. I mean, you say, well, I just don't like it. I'd rather be together. I would too. And if we could build a 3,000-seat auditorium, we'd all be together. We'd have a Holy Ghost meeting every Sunday. May have it before it's over with. Who knows? I think the Lord's probably going to come, but that, that, it may not. This church got a vision. It's not perfect. I would ask you this morning, if you need a church home, and you've been praying, and you've been visiting, if God said this is it, then today, just make that. Why don't you start 2024 and say, God, this is where you told me to go, and I'm going to be obedient. But most of all, maybe you're here this morning, you've never trusted Christ. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. You, you may have your name on the roll, or you may have signed up, but you've never, ever had a time where you know Jesus took over your life and your heart. You really need to get that straight first. That's more important than being in a church is to make sure you're, you're saved. And then the second thing is you need to make sure you've been scripturally baptized. You, you can't come up out of a Dixie cup. You have to be down in a baptistry to come up. That's what the scripture teaches. I didn't say that. that. That's being washed in the water of the Word of God. This is it. Lord, we thank you today for allowing us to be here, for speaking to our hearts. And Lord, I, I, I know I've not done a good job, but I've done the best I could to just lay it out on the line. <laughs>
and to be truthful and to be simple and to be honest. Oh God, would your Holy Spirit take over? Would you do things in this service that we didn't dream were possible? We want to see you move. We want to see you touch lives. Lord, have mercy. The families right now that are going through trials and tribulations. Oh God, would you touch that daddy and that mama. And Lord, bring them back together. God, speak to their hearts. Would you bless those children? Lord, even right now as our children are meeting in other places and youth and different ones, oh God, would you reach down and touch them? Most of all, Lord, we need you. We need you. Have your way. In Jesus' name. Would you stand with